You know, I've seen so many of our young people grow up. Some of staff that have been at the Indian Center I might have had in preschool years ago. It's the people that drives me. It's been about the community. It's been about family. All of that coming together really has been what's been driving me. Buju, hello. Welcome to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. I'm your host, Leah Lem. And I'm your other host, Cole Primo. Miigwech for joining us today. Native Lights is more than a podcast and radio show. At its core, it's a place for Native folks to tell their stories. Each and every week, we have captivating conversations with great guests from a whole lot of different backgrounds. And we're talking musicians, artists, community leaders, healthcare advocates, you know, leaders of these amazing nonprofits that are doing great work. And uh, we talk to them about their gifts and how they share those gifts with their community, centering around finding purpose in our lives and amplifying Native voices. How you doing, sis? What's going on? Thank you very much, Cole. I'm doing all right. Hanging in there. How about you? I'm doing good. Recently got back into the recording studio for just a little bit, shook off the rust. Uh, It's kind of funny. My buddy, uh, he needed a corporate hype song. So Maria and I did some corporate hype song jam. It was kind of funny. Did you record a jingle? It's basically a jingle, yes. (laughs) (laughs) This is how we build. Anyways. Oh yeah. Middle <laughs> me. Did you also play guitar? Oh they didn't they didn't ask me to play guitar for this, but they didn't ask you to shred. I would have definitely shredded some cheesy <laughs> guitar riffs for this. Well no, but it was just fun getting back in, doing some vocal work. Uh good. And hope to chase that feeling a little bit more this year and, and beyond. So yeah. Mm-hmm. But we're doing Excellent. good. We're doing good. Good, good. Yeah, good, yeah. Good. But yeah, let's let's get to brass tacks. Let's let's get to today's guest. Very excited to speak with her. We are speaking with Mary Lagarde. Mary is a White Earth Nation citizen who has worked in nonprofit program services, including management and development, for over thirty years. She's currently the executive director at the Minneapolis American Indian Center, and she's been leading that organization since June twenty thirteen. The center is actually scheduled to have its grand reopening soon uh, in May 2024, and we're excited to talk about that, the organization's mission, and much more. And here she is, Buju, Mary. Buju, how are you? Good. All right. Could you please introduce yourself? I am the executive director of the Minneapolis American Indian Center and CEO of the Boys and Girls Club of the Minneapolis American Indian Center, and I'm also a member of the White Earth Band of Ojibwe. How are you doing? How's the family doing? Good. Family is good. Everyone was over for the Super Bowl, so yeah, we're all good. Good, good. Well, Mary, can you give us an overview of the Minneapolis American Indian Center, some of its programs, and what it does? Yeah, I can do that. So the Minneapolis American Indian Center opened its doors in 1975. And it has been, you know, like the cornerstone of the community. Some have referred to it as the heart of the community since that time. And, you know, it it really was developed through community input. So in 1975, you know, it was because the community wanted a gathering and cultural place 
for them, you know, for the urban American Indian community. It opened in 1975 in its current location. At the time, it really was about arts. It was about culture, you know, fitness and activities with the big gymnasium that they had there. And so over the years, it's changed a bit. The focus still is culture. The focus still is arts. We still have the gymnasium there, but we've also added a lot of just key programs for our community members over the years. We have a workforce and development program. We also have an Indian Child Welfare Act program, which is under our Family Services Division. We have our Culture, Language, and Arts Network Program, or CLAN for short. And, you know, that they've been doing just a, an outstanding job, you know, with Ojibwe and Dakota language instruction. I know that they've had hundreds of people that have participated in their classes since COVID because we did go online for a lot of those. And then we have our fitness and nutrition program. And that is just what it says, fitness and nutrition. So it's all about physical activity, healthier eating, making good choices, and no sugared beverages. So, and then like I had mentioned, we have our Boys and Girls Club of the Minneapolis American Indian Center. And that that's kind of like newly evolved. We've had a youth program for a number of years at the Indian Center, but recently have incorporated the Boys and Girls Club, you know, as the kind of the umbrella for our youth services. And what else? Two Rivers Art Gallery, really showcasing our up-and-coming Indigenous artists. And then we have our cafe, which is called the Gatherings Cafe. And that really showcases healthier Indigenous foods. So those are the programs of the center. And, you know, we have just kind of continued. You know, we've, we have been out of the building since construction started. And so just continuing with all of our programs and services in temporary locations, and we are ready to move back. <laughs> so could you talk about your role at the, the center and just how's the role changed? Yeah, well, when I first started at the Indian Center, I was not the executive director. When I started at the Indian Center, I was the grant writer. Just a short time after I started, the former executive director, Franny Fairbanks, who a lot of people know, she had taken a medical leave. And so there was a period of time where I got to be the grant writer and the acting executive director. And then they cut off the grant writing part, even though I still have to do some of that. But, you know, I've been the executive director since June of 2013. So it's coming up on 11 years. When I first started as the executive director, my role really was to develop our programming and activities at the Indian Center to engage more people. It, it was when I first started at the center, it was a very quiet place and it shouldn't have been quiet. You know, we had a full gym. We had, I mean, just so much space and, and things that could have been happening. And so you know, my role really was to, one, maintain all of the great programs that we had, but then really look at 
how do we engage the broader community in the Indian Center? So when I had first started, you know, the art gallery hadn't had a show in over 10 years. The cafe was not open. It was just very quiet. You know, we have always had woodland Indian crafts there. He kind of came with the building. You know, he'd been there since 1979. So, you know, people were used to coming into Charlie's store. But, you know, other than that, there just wasn't a whole lot. My job really has been to, you know, just to broaden the other programs, you know, the other services, bring community and and others into the organization. So back in 2013, we started a visioning process with the community. The Indian Center worked with the Native American Community Development Institute, or NACTI, along with CURA at the University of Minnesota to help with the process. And so it was opened up, you know, we had it in the gym of the Indian Center. People came and like the big question was, what do you want the Indian Center to be? And you really from there, our board utilized, you know, everything that we learned from community, went into strategic planning. I mean, just everything kind of pointed to so many of the deficiencies in the building, spaces that we could be using better, better systems in general there. I don't know if you've ever been to the center when it was raining, but when it was raining outside, it was raining inside. So we'd have buckets on the stairs. And and so, you know, we decided to launch a capital campaign. And that is to totally renovate the existing building and add a one-level expansion. You're listening to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. Native Lights is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Today, we're speaking with Mary Lagarde, White Earth Nation citizen and executive director of the Minneapolis American Indian Center. So a lot of us can see what's going on with the building from the outside, It's looking beautiful. It's closer to the street. The George Morrison mural is moving. Can you talk a bit about the next phase of design? How do you make that more responsive to what the community needs? So like I said, it really was driven by community input and what the community wanted. And so when you come into the Indian Center, what you would see now is maintaining what we had preserving all of the the great woodwork that was throughout the building. And so when you walk into the building, the main floor of the building, there is, there's no lower level. Before construction to get to Charlie's store, you would go down some steps. It's not there anymore. So what we've done is put more of the public facing things on the main floor. So when you walk in, you'll see the Gatherings Cafe. You will see the Woodland Indian Crafts, Two Rivers Art Gallery, and then there is conference rooms that can be utilized. And then you'll have a view of the gymnasium too. So access to the fitness center. We've you know just added space for elders in the congregate dining area. And then on the second floor is where all of the Indian Center staff will be located along with additional meeting spaces and a co-working office suite that can be utilized by others and a art studio space too that will be on the second floor. 
That sounds lovely. I know I've definitely gotten lost previously, like trying to find the gym area, like which elevator, how do you get down? Anyway, <laughs> that's what that's. So it sounds really like a great upgrade, a great update to help the community get in and see what they need right away. Get the get get that coffee and that lunch. Mm -hmm. I know raising money can be a challenge, but what were some of like the biggest challenges in the process of this renovation? Oh, let's see. So there, there's been a few challenges. Definitely, you know, the funds, it didn't start out at 32.5 million. Between COVID and civil unrest, just the cost of construction just incre increased so much. And so I, I feel like we keep getting to that finish line and then they keep moving it and we have to raise more money. You know, we're holding at 32.5 million. So far we've raised 29.25 of the 32.5 million dollars. So, you know, definitely just construction in general and in the, the cost, but you know, there were decisions that we had to make. One big one that Leah had mentioned was the George Morrison mural. For so many of, of our community members, you know, especially our Indigenous artists, they really saw that mural as like the cornerstone, right? You know, they knew that they were around, you know, the Indigenous community when they saw that mural. I had an artist during the civil unrest that if the building started on fire, the Morrison mural would be saved. So he had set up a water system, you know, was ready to protect it, whatever he had to do. So very important that we maintain that, that mural. So making the decision of, you know, where do we put it? Who's going to take care of it? How do we do that? That was challenging. And so we worked with an arts conservation center and decided that, you know, we were going to keep it on the outside of the building. And that really was after doing some research and, and reading George Morrison's biography, where he talked about the mural turning the feather around. You know, we knew that we had to keep it outside. You know, originally I thought, well, you know, we could put it inside the gym, but just the way that it, it has weathered over the years, it really needed to stay outside. And, you know, we just didn't want it to, to get damaged at all. You know, the gym has a lot of activities, balls, you know, we decided to keep it outside, but that also required taking another mural down. So those, those decisions were tough to make, but decisions that we, that we definitely had to do. So working with that arts conservation center, they dismantled the mural piece by piece. And so there were hundreds of wooden pieces and they laid it all out in the gymnasium, numbered everything, vacuumed all the pieces, wrapped them, shipped it to Montana, where they kept working on the piece, preserving it, cleaning it. And then in October of last year, the mural came back. And so the mural has been reinstalled and it is on an east-facing wall now where the Keep Tobacco Sacred mural had been. Just so everyone knows, the Keep Tobacco Sacred mural has been preserved. So we did have a 
professional photographer come out and take pictures of all of the murals that we had. And so that particular mural is being made into a vinyl and it's being put in the interior of the building in the gymnasium. So everybody will still be able to see that colorful, beautiful mural. That was just one thing that, you know, one of the items that we had to figure out. The other one has been signs, just like signage for all of the spaces. Being in an urban indigenous area, you couldn't just do things in Ojibwe or just in Dakota or just in Ho-Chunk. It really was a difficult process to figure out the names of the signs. So I guess we're going with QR codes and that way people will be able to scan the QR codes and they'll be able to hear the room name and they'll be able to hear it in Ojibwe and they'll be able to hear it in Dakota. So that was kind of the resolution that we came to with that, but just a lot of decisions that have had to be made. Yeah. I'm hoping that, that everything works out well and, um, that the community really will enjoy this new space. That's great. That's great. So I've, I've just had a more broad question. I know Native communities throughout the nation are unique in their own ways, but are there things working at MAIC at the center that you've learned that can translate to other communities, things that the center does well? There's a lot of things that we do well, but, you know, I... I really have to highlight the Culture, Language, and Arts Network program. When COVID hit and everybody was shut down, our staff were able to figure out how to do things virtually. They've done a great job from the Ojibwe and Dakota language classes to having Friday Family Fun Night, and they've just figured out how to do it. With Friday Family Fun Nights, all of the families that are participating get the bag of, of all of the items that will be needed to participate virtually. So, you know, it could be making whatever snack that the chef is making. So making that with them, it can be art projects, just so many different things. And our staff have just really done a wonderful job at figuring out how to pivot into the virtual world. And, you know, it might be kind of hard to, to get them back grounded into the center because, you know, they've just had such, such a big following. So, you know, I'm hoping that we're able to kind of blend it, do some sort of a hybrid model so that we can keep everyone engaged in, in all of the activities that they're doing. That's great. I want to ask, you know, how's the renovation as it, as it sits right now? How's it coming along? Because we've got a few months right until the grand reopening, right? Yeah, the grand reopening is scheduled for May 1st, 2024, which coincides with Indian Month kickoff in the Twin Cities area. So it's going to be a big celebration. But as of last week, construction was 95% complete. It's been remarkable to go through the building. You know, I've been fortunate to have weekly walkthroughs with the general contractors and others, you know, with the architects. Just seeing the transformation of the center, it is incredible. 95%. Awesome. <laughs> 95%. So one of the last things that will be done is the gym floor. So that hasn't started yet, but it just, it looks great in there. They've utilized a lot of the cedar that we had 
inside the building. It looks new. It really does. The inside of the gym looks great. I think that community will be very happy when they see it. Nice. And when do you get to move back in? So construction itself will be completing in the beginning of March. So, you know, we're about a month out. And then after that, then comes occupancy, permits, licenses, and then we will get furniture in and staff will be moving in the first week in April. And so we're hoping to be able to operate our services, at least just start to get going on everything. And that would be like April 8th. You're listening to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. Native Lights is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. Today we're speaking with Mary Lagarde, White Earth Nation citizen and executive director of the Minneapolis American Indian Center. Well, how about we pivot a little bit then to your journey to this position. Mary, how did you get into this line of work? What was your journey into this line of work? I think it was accidental. <laughs> Say more. <laughs> <laughs> well, so you know, when I started out, so I, I went to college in Northfield, Minnesota, St. Olaf College in Northfield. You know, it was during that time when I was in college that it was very apparent that there weren't a lot of American Indians in the college that I went to. I think we had the largest graduating class since the 70s, and there were three of us. So not not very many natives. But, you know, it was during college that I got kind of more active with Native rights, with culture. I thought, I don't know why, I thought that I was going to go into marketing and business. You know, I thought that's what that's what you do when you go to college. You know, you, you get your business degree and it wasn't for me. I tried it. It just wasn't wasn't what I was interested in. And, you know, it was it was during college that I had an opportunity to participate in events with the American Indian movement. My family growing up had always been a part of the movement in some way, you know, whether it be protests at the federal building or march to Washington or at Wounded Knee. And so my family was always a big part of that. For me, just having that opportunity to to learn more, it really opened up my eyes. And it was while I was graduating from college that, you know, I was offered a job and worked in a therapeutic preschool, primarily with American Indian preschoolers. That's who would be in my classroom. And from there, you know, I was able to start a therapeutic preschool program at Little Earth of United Tribes Housing. I've been in the community since then. So it's been over 30 years now that I've been working in the urban American Indian community in South Minneapolis, working in in early childhood, opening the Little Earth Neighborhood Early Learning Center, Then I worked for a while directly for Little Earth Community Partnership as their grant writer, and then moved on to the Indian Center as the grant writer, and then, well, the the executive director. So it just really has been just a passion of mine, working with my community members. My family are, like I mentioned, American Indian Movement, 
you know, half of my family is in the urban area too. So half on the reservation, half in the urban area. And yeah, it just kind of happened, I guess. What drives your passion to keep doing the work you're doing? For me, it really has been just growing up in the area. So I I grew up, you know, between the Twin Cities area, so Minneapolis, and then Northern Minnesota, you know, for much of my life. And, you know, just being, being there, you know, with my family, I remember Franklin Avenue when it was lined with bars. I was young. I was very young then, but, you know, we would drive around. So the kids would be in the back and drive around. And, but, you know, it just really always has been, for me, it's, it's been about the community. It's been about family, you know, just being able to provide that place where people are safe and where our youth can be safe. All of that coming together really has been what's been driving me um, in this work. That is very good to hear. Yeah, sometimes it's just caring for your people and friends and family. It's It can be very simple. So I'm wondering, how can folks take part in the programs at the center? Most of our programs are, are open to everybody. So, you know, our Culture, Language, and Arts Network program for that and others Look at the website, www.maicnet.org. You know, other ways to get involved. We are definitely going to be looking for volunteers. So if, you know, there are individuals or organizations that would love to volunteer, you know, whether it be serving food, you know, with their elder program, or, you know, maybe it's a class for our fitness and nutrition program or tutoring in our Boys and Girls Club, all opportunities for volunteering. So we can definitely use volunteers. Great. And I'm curious about the grand reopening. Like, what should people expect from that? I heard there's going to be a powwow. Yeah. So our grand reopening will be on May 1st, 2024. Community members, organizations, you know, elected officials, everyone is invited. And so we gather at Little Earth that morning of, of May 1st at about 10 a.m. From there, we go on a walk. And usually the organizations have, you know, they might have a float or something that, that represents their organization. We will do a walk. And the walk this year will end then at the Indian Center on Franklin Avenue. And there will be a ribbon cutting. There will be a few speakers. We're going to have some great food from the Gatherings Cafe. And we will have entertainment during the afternoon. I believe Keith Sokola will be performing along with Samson Brothers. And we'll have some tours of the building. And then we'll take a little break and and get ready for the evening. And there will be just a, a short powwow in the evening through our clan program, and that will be open to the community. Mary Lagarde, everybody. I'm so excited for this new center. Yeah. Or reopening. I think that'll be really cool. No, it was great hearing from her and all the, you know, all the great work that you got to do with the community to realize something Mm -hmm. like this, um, all the input that was needed. 
I'm glad they did it in a good way, as they say. That's right. So, Miigwech to Mary Lagarde, award-winning nonprofit leader, White Earth Nation citizen, and executive director of the Minneapolis American Indian Center. I'm Cole Primo. And I'm Leah Lem. Miigwech for listening. Giggawapman. You're listening to Native Lights, where Indigenous voices shine. Native Lights is produced by Minnesota Native News and Ampers with support from the Minnesota Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund.